Anything worthwhile takes work. That's a common sentiment. High school teachers use it to encourage their students when they struggle to see the point in what they're studying. Coaches use it to inspire athletes to push past their limits. Those words can reframe an otherwise dreaded or seemingly impossible task. But we never think about it in connection with reading the Bible. It's almost uncomfortable to think of reading the Bible as work. After all, if it's God's message to us, shouldn't it be as easy as a conversation between two people? If you've been listening to our Bible series, you know that really understanding the Bible takes more than reading a few chapters for 30 minutes. Actually, it takes a lifetime of reading and rereading, learning and relearning, interpreting and reinterpreting, meditating on the scripture. And the great thing is that it's a never-ending journey. The more you dig, the more you find. The more you listen, the more clearly you'll hear God's voice through ancient writers. In this final episode of our Bible series, we ask, is reading scripture really this hard? If you don't have an advanced degree, should you bother even trying to understand the Bible? Isn't that what pastors are for? What are some avoidable mistakes when it comes to Bible reading and interpretation? All that and more on this edition of the podcast. We're a forum for discussion on the issues that are ruminating in the minds of churchgoers, but that are often not raised from the pulpit. Too long has the church shied away from grappling with tough questions and nuanced issues. We're your hosts. I'm Riker Zalameta. I'm Lucas Manning. Welcome to Questions from the Pew, where faith and culture meet. Hey Luke, how's life? Life is life is going okay. <laughs> it's, it's over there. The road and, uh, goes ever on and on. Ooh, a little bit, well, of a, a little bit of a teaser for our next topic, <laughs> yeah. our next series, Lord of the Rings. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah this is our in... final episode. Or, sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. I was just gonna say you're enjoying yourself in the Great Lake State over there. It's <laughs> not even close. <laughs> to be fair, yeah, just I am not in Michigan. What, is there a Michi- Great Lakes? Yeah, Lake Michigan's state? the Great Lakes. Is state. the Great Lakes? Oh, yeah, I we touched four four Great Lakes, pure Michigan. Oh. Okay, yeah. well there you anyway. go. Yes. Yeah, no, I am not. I am on the opposite end of the country. If you seek a pleasant peninsula, look about you. That's hey, Michigan's the Upper motto. Peninsula is it's one definitely of the pleasant. most beautiful places in the. I've country. actually never been there. I'm not a real not a real Michigander, I guess. Oh. I've been up north in the sense of up north in the Upper Peninsula. Anyway, it's fine. <laughs> All right, should we dive in? Yeah. Sorry, <laughs> derailed there. Um, yeah, right. so I guess... Uh, this is our final episode, or hopefully our final episode. Listen, given the way <laughs> we had to split our other episodes, who yeah. knows at this point. We'll see if but we But we're going to try it. to keep it in one episode. Agreed. Yes, we can do it. Um yeah, so maybe, well, should we just do a quick recap of what we've talked about? Yeah. Great. Let's do it. Um, yeah, basically just the Bible. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> Have you heard first... of it, listener? 
<laughs> first two episodes, we kind of talked about our approach to the Bible, you know, what it is, you know, how do we lead it, read it literarily, literally, whatever, you know, word you want to use. Mm. Um, and then the next two episodes or one conversation <laughs> in two parts, <laughs> uh, we talked about like preparing to read the Bible, um, mm. stuff that we need to take into account as we, um, yeah, as we open the pages of scripture. Mm. And then, yeah. what was it? Sorry, go ahead. Well, then, no, yeah. Well, then we just talked about the Bible in the modern age. So we talked about, you know, is there anything that people who don't call themselves Christians can get from the Bible? Um, And then also, you know, how does the Bible relate to evolutionary science or just science in general? And, you know, kind of what that relationship is. And that was the last conversation that we had. Um, And here we are trying to bring things home. Yeah, trying to. (laughs) We're going to do our best. (laughs) Yeah, so I guess, uh, shall we jump into the first question? Yeah. First question. If I don't have an advanced degree, should I even bother reading the Bible? Hmm. That's a good question. I mean, I've heard this from just a lot of people, um, actually in different positions, all of them. But yeah, I don't know. Do you want to start? Yeah. I. So <laughs> when we were coming up with, you know, our topics or our questions to talk about, I think we agreed on putting this last just because inevitably, I think some of you, some of our listeners would probably ask that question, given all the things that we talked about. And I mean, hopefully, like our hope in, at least, sorry, I can't speak for you, but I will speak for myself. Uh, My hope in that, like, in all the topics that we've discussed and all the questions that we've asked and responded to, you know, up to this point, I hope those things weren't, you know, points of discouragement for people who are wanting to read the Bible. Um, rather, I hope it showed that, like, there, there's a lot of depth to the scriptures that isn't, um, that isn't dived into mm-hmm. um, in the normal day-to-day readings, you know, the devotional readings. Is, and again, there's nothing wrong with devotional readings, but um, <laughs> if you stop there, that's... It's like, that's the, yes. that's only the top of the, yeah, that's just the frosting on the cake. Not, yeah. You, you know, you're just skimming the top of the cake. Which might be worth scraping The off, biblical cake. On, you know. <laughs> no, I don't. Um, but yeah, I hopefully, hopefully that's like, we've shown that there's a lot of depth in the text that we're not uncovering. And hopefully sure. the things, you know, that we've talked about have encouraged people. Uh, I know that it's your encur- curiosity. Like, yeah, they've encouraged me, like, the things that you've talked about. It's like, oh, I didn't think about that. Um, sure. Yeah. that's. I mean, that's one thing that I'd like yeah, to say totally. about that. Definitely. Well, I have, I guess, when I was thinking about this question, I feel like it comes from a few different places. Um, and so I'll just, like, I have three people in mind who I feel like have asked this question to me in, like, three different places in their life. One is um, people who are, like, kind of like triggered by the Bible or like they can't, or they've seen the Bible be used like in destructive ways or like, yeah, just to like keep people down or not in a helpful way. 
And so then they're like, okay, like, sure, the Bible, I'm sure, in its original whatever language, culture, whatever, was, like, helpful. But clearly, like, it's not being used that way a lot of the time. Or for them, it wasn't used that way in their life. And I actually do think, like, I've said this to multiple people, and maybe I'm just a horrible advisor. But I, I've told people, like, well, maybe you just, like, actually need to take a break from the Bible. Like, maybe you just need to get some distance for, like, a little bit. And, like, it's not a forever thing, but, like, maybe just take some time. If that's you, and that's not a lot of people, but it is some people. If you're, like, the Bible, like, you can't read the Bible without getting angry or, like, it messing with you. It's like, well, maybe you just actually do need to take a break for, like, a while. Um, so that's, like, one group I would say. The second is the group I would say I was in post my undergraduate degree, which is I've just become like uninterested in the Bible over time. Like it's like, I actually like, I know what's in there. I've read it a million times. I grew up on the Bible and I like, I got it. I think I understand what's going on. And I like, you know, I'm just uninterested. There's other fun things to like look into and learn from. Um, and to that, I would say, like, I think what helped me is, like, I developed a new paradigm, not even, like, from reading the Bible, but reading resources about the Bible. And then when I came back to the Bible with this new paradigm, everything was like, wow, this is actually awesome. You know what I'm saying? And, then, like, mm -hmm. things were popping now instead of, like, reading it and being like, oh, I, like, I, maybe I don't know what this is, but it's fine. You know, I, I know what the Bible's main message is, so it doesn't matter. Whereas now it's like, when I'm reading something, the new paradigm, which hopefully we'd at, we've laid out a little bit of like a different paradigm for people uh, than they're used to. Um, I don't know. Now like everything pops, you know what I'm saying? Like everything mm -hmm. is interesting and connects and there's all these like, yeah, different connections and like themes and threads. So it's like, it's like, f it's a fun experience uh, because I think my paradigm when I was uninterested was like, I guess it just didn't do the Bible justice for what it actually was, mm -hmm. um, which is like a incredible collection of ancient writings, which actually like, you know, they're pointing somewhere and doing certain things and it's really cool. Anyway, so that's what I'd say to them. I think the, the part of the reason why I say for group number one, which is the triggered group is like, take a break is because maybe like, maybe you can morph into someone who's uninterested and not triggered just like over time. You know what I'm saying? But if it really is like hurting you, I would say a break is fine and you don't have to feel like a horrible person because you're not reading the Bible. Anyway, all that to say. And then group number three is like people who love the Bible <laughs> and are like Bible people, church people, you know. Uh, but they just like, you know, they want to get it right. It's like, I love the Bible and I'm committed to it, pumped about it. But like, you know, you know, I just want to be accurate in what I understand its message to be. And so all I would say is just, and maybe you disagree with me. You'll just have to tell me. But to me, it's like, I think you should always supplement like pure Bible reading. Maybe not always, but when you're like studying the Bible, I think you should supplement it with actually like scholarly work and like background studies and the things that we've talked about on this podcast. Like I actually mm -hmm. think um, that you should do that. Um, and I don't mean devotionals. <laughs> devotionals are fine. <laughs> But, like, I think I mean, like, actually, you know, scholarly work. And, I mean, 
I mean, a little bit of like what we said in the intro, like it, it will be work. So that's like, you know, part of it. But also people spend hours like deciphering Marvel cinematic trailers <laughs> to like try to find all these details. You know what I'm saying? So that's where right. it's like, I think... I think we're not afraid of the work. We're just not interested. You're, you know mm. what I'm saying? Or we're not, yeah. um, we're not as curious about this as we are. Maybe, or we're not like as involved as we are mm. with other things. Um, so that's all I would say. Um, yeah, and I'm not saying that just reading the Bible by itself can't sometimes be good. But I would say the Bible wasn't built for like individual mm-hmm. consumption, especially detached from its you know cultural environment. So. Um, and yeah, like the I'd fact say. that, I mean, if you want to think about it this way in terms of like primary literature and secondary literature, which maybe I should, we should define that, but like yeah. primary literature, it's like the original written text itself. Yep. And then secondary literature is stuff that's written about that yes. original writing. Right. Um, I don't know if we, I don't know, because I feel like the the primacy is put on just reading the Bible because it's the purest like form of the text. And if sure. we consult commentaries or any other like background literature or yeah, secondary source literature. Right. Yeah. And it's yeah. not to be as trusted. Right. And and I get that there's a distrust there. You gotta you have yeah. to be um you have to know your sources and you have to be particular about which sources, you know, secondary sure. sources to use, right? So that's fair. But we talked about it before that the the English translations we have, in a way, I don't know if I'm going to get in trouble for this, in a way <laughs> are secondary literature because we don't have the original manuscripts of the Bible. And every interpretation or every translation of uh, of a text is in some shape or another, at mm-hmm. some level... An interpretation of that text. Totally. So you're in your in your readings of the Bible, whatever translation you have, chances are it those words that are on paper were published as that version of the Bible as a result of the agreement of a committee of translators who said, for this particular approach to the Bible and in this current context, this is the best way to interpret it and understand it. That is an, that's, you know, it's, it's not a one for one. Yeah. So it's, that might be right. helpful. I don't know, to, to keep that in perspective, um, you know, I don't want to dive back into a, a topic yeah. we've already talked about, but I think that's no. important to, to keep in mind. Well, it's worth saying, one, because I think people who are bilingual understand mm. to a certain extent, but it's like there's never a one to one between words. Right. Um, obviously, like, you know, more modern languages, like there's definitely going to be more similarities. So you know, a cup is a cup. <laughs> you know, there's not, mm-hmm. it's not probably not too much baggage with cup. Right. But once you get like, you know, into more abstract words, then like it, it's like what we were talking about earlier. And yeah, you're right. I don't want to rehash it, but um, we have stories around words and the stories of other cultures about those same types of words. Um, they they're not going to be the same, and there's going to be different connotations mm-hmm. to it yeah um so yeah so that's where reading an english bible i'll just say it i don't know yeah it's a secondary source right <laughs> i mean somebody had to in, in a way how to represent that in english you know what i'm right. saying and that's yeah. you'll see that when different translations translate the same verse very differently because they don't know what mm-hmm. to do with the language or they don't 
have agreement on how it should be rendered the best mm-hmm. um yeah yeah no i think it's worth saying yeah to add to the original question of shouldn't I bother reading the Bible if I don't have an advanced degree? I'd say yeah. <laughs> um, yeah regardless yeah. of whether you have a degree or not. I mean, for the his, for the majority of, you know, of, you know, Judeo-Christian history, uh, the, uh, you know, the, the history of the two faiths, um, rather, the, like, the majority of the people who believed and taught the Bible, they didn't have doctorates. <laughs> You know, I mean, it's a we're, we live in a privileged time where we can have people who have devoted their lives to, you know, Agreed. to attaining that level of, you know, academic and like academic focus on scripture. Um, but that that has, in large part has not been the case throughout history. Sure, and, and we can challenge each other endured. without worrying about being burned at the stake or something. Yeah, <laughs> I don't yeah. Know. yeah. Well, that's the other thing too. Like. The, the Bibles that we have and the fact that we can still translate it and all these, you know, manuscripts that we have, it came at a cost, right? And so it's even that alone, is like, to sure. in my mind, is like, it's don't give up on it because people, again, we live in a very privileged society, society in America where we have translate Bible translations at the tip of our fingers, yeah, tips yeah. of our fingers, at the tip yeah. of our fingers. And so... <laughs> But that's not the case for, you know, underground believers in Egypt or in China who, sure. like, you know, you see videos of people who finally got, a, like, their own copy of the Bible in their language, and they're in tears because, like, for generations they, they didn't, of, of believers, they didn't have that. And to oh. have that, I think, really puts that into perspective. It's like, okay, this is not something, even if there's a lot that you don't understand, it is still worth, you know, totally. reading Yeah, and trying to understand it. Agreed. Yeah, and I think, I mean, I think I've said this before, but I think there's a lot of grace for, like, you know, the grandma who's just has no biblical training, who's up there, you know, praying every day for all of her family and reading the Bible, and I think it's great, and that's awesome. Um, but yeah, but... If you're able to, I think it's worth putting in mm. the work, uh, even if you don't have an advanced degree. Yeah. You can still, I think you can still get at a, like a way of understanding the Bible, a paradigm, if you will, that's like much more accurate and will be much more enriching for your life if you put in the, put in the work. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I mean, you've said it before in previous episodes, like we're, especially for Christians, we're not saved into a, we are saved into a personal relationship with Christ, but we're saved into a community of faith, mm-hmm. uh, right? We're welcomed into a community of faith when we, uh, when we become Christians, and so yeah. we we lean on other people as we read and interpret um, the text. Um, and then even beyond that, maybe I'll this will be my final thought on this question. Um, and this is going to get a little bit, I guess, more theological. But the idea of the illumination of the Holy Spirit, um, which is to say that as you read Scripture the Holy Spirit 
um, you know, will will make clear what is unclear um, sure. to you. Sure. Whatever, you know, whatever level that looks like. It doesn't have to be, you know, super mystical or spiritual or anything, but right. things will make more sense as you... It's kind of like, um, I mean, in any relationship, right? Things that don't make sense, like things that a person does that doesn't make sense at the beginning of a friendship, you know, 10 years into a relationship, okay, that makes sense why this person does this or says things this sure. way but that comes sure. because there's a there's a time element there yes um through which or in which things that were unclear at first have become clear sure well and like you put in the work to understand the person on their terms because that's yeah. where sometimes i feel like we lean on the illumination of the holy spirit thing and we say yeah he'll illuminate me i don't need to f- mm. try to figure out what this is yeah. you know what i mean that's fair whereas it's it's not a substitute uh right it's more of an emergent. I feel like it's like an emergent phenomenon, if that makes any sense. And by that, I mean something that comes out of, like, it's a result of the work mm. that you put in and do that. You know what I'm saying? Right. Um, is what yeah, I would not, say. Not, not yeah, a magic that's pill not, that right, will make right, you right. N- know what the right interpretation is. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, but it, yeah, but yes, I guess you I agree think with it maybe as like a, as a net, like on the, on your, in your shortcomings, when you're putting in the work and it doesn't make sense, trust that the Holy Spirit will, you know, yeah, yeah make that clear to you. Totally. Yeah. A question from the pew. All right. Second question. Question number two. What are common faux pas? In Bible reading and interpretation, faux pas is, I don't know, that was something our Greek professor would always talk about. Yeah. Mistakes. Made a faux pas. <laughs> it's French. Um, yeah. What are common mistakes in Bible reading and interpretation? Remember when he would say that? Like, yeah. We would get, uh, like, in Greek class, we'd have to identify, like, hey, this word is a noun, second person, whatever, yeah. and kind of parsing, break down... Parsing yeah, a word. Yeah. Breaking down the elements like behind what the word is. And if we made a mistake, he would go, oh, made a faux pas, <laughs> a blunder, an error, a, blunder. a transgression. <laughs> yeah. It would just get yeah. ramped up. It would get progressively more like morally wrong. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh. uh, Hilarious. So yeah. What Dr. Sauer, common... shout out to him. <laughs> What are common faux pas in Bible reading and interpretation? Yeah. Interpretation. It's it's a great question. I mean, maybe we'll just go, you know, we'll alternate here because I feel like we probably both have a few and then we'll just go from there. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I mean, obviously we've talked a lot about some faux pas as we've been talking about what to do, you know, with Bible interpretation. So some of these we may have mentioned, but uh, I guess one that I don't think I've, spent too much time on is kind of the one faux pas or mistake is an obsession with application points. Um, and I guess I especially see this, actually, I guess I see it everywhere, but especially the o- old Testament. Cause I feel like no one knows what we're supposed to do with the old Testament. Mm. Um, so then it's just like, well, let's, how do I apply this to my life? That question. I think it's a very well-meaning question because the assumption behind the question is, the Bible should shape how I act in the world. 
which I think is a true, that's a good, that's a true statement. Uh, so I think the assumption behind the question is good. The problem is I don't think that the Bible is constructed to give out application points at every chapter or every, you know, singular narrative or story. Um, and so that's, you know, it's like, what's the application point in Genesis 38 with Judah and Tamar? <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. so I guess don't, don't do that. Don't do any of that. <laughs> you know, I guess that's an application point. Um, but yeah. And, and the thing is we don't, we don't do this with modern like art or like movies so, like, for instance, you know, when you go to an Avengers movie, it's not like, oh, like, what is, what am I, how am I supposed to apply this? You know, like, should I become a billionaire and build an iron robot suit that fights bad <laughs> guys? Like, obviously, I'm being ridiculous. But even, like, you know, yeah, any movie, you're not watching and, and directly saying, like, how can I apply this to my life? But it's a more subtle, the way a movie affects you, I'm focusing on movies because that's, I would say that's the main way that we give out stories in our culture. Yeah. Is movies. I don't know. Definitely through um, the media of, yeah, film or video. I yeah, guess. yeah. Video. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we don't, we don't watch videos unless it's like a how to video on YouTube and think automatically, how am I going to apply this to my life? But more so, it's a, it's a more subtle shaping of like who we are. Mm. Um, so when we watch an Avengers film, it informs like our identity, our identity of like, oh, I mean, I'm going to destroy Avengers here. But it's like, you know, when you come together with a group of people, you can accomplish more than, you know, you can on your own. That's horrible. <laughs> I'm sorry to all the film critics that are listening. <laughs> well, I think rap. we got the meaning of the whole franchise. <laughs> yeah, I nailed it. I think we're good. <laughs> but I guess that's the whole point is you can't boil it down to like a right. a one yeah. little phrase thing yeah. that's that's even even if it's not application, it's like sure. this one little application like is that really what? Yeah. But more so it's like this is a meditation on the human condition and like, yeah. you know, it's focusing on certain themes and all these yeah. things. It reinforces or challenges certain values ideas in a very subtle way yes which i guess that's what like that's just what art and like story does Mm -hmm. um and so that's what i think we should be doing with the bible is rather than focusing on how can i apply this specific story like what's a what's a you know homework lesson or homework assignment or whatever but rather i think i think we should be developing a biblical imagination uh, and so what I mean by that is that we we start to read it in a way that makes the text feel like home. I guess, mm. how am I trying to say it? Like, yeah, which is a lot of it is what we've said in this podcast, but it's trying to understand kind of the cultural defaults of what's happening um, and the ancient worldview that's present in the text. So then we can actually understand the profound like meditation that it's, that it's practicing about the human condition, which then I think leads to biblical wisdom. Like that's the goal is like, you know, wisdom and uh, forming our lives and shaping the way that we behave in the world. I really do think that that is the general goal of scripture. Um, But how it does it is not through application points. It's literature and how it does it is meditating on the human condition, which then shapes us into the kind of people who who live out, you know, its meditations. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's too heady, so I'm sorry if it is. But that's, I guess, 
when I approach the Bible that way, which I think is approaching it in a more faithful way, I guess to me it really enriches my life and how I interact with the world. Uh, whereas when I used to do the application points thing, I just it seemed surface level and it just wouldn't stick. It just it didn't stick for me. So mm. yeah, that's one I would say is that obsession with application points. Mm. Change that out for a, a, a developing a biblical imagination in its place. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Um, yeah, I guess one one major thing for me is. Um, not reading with, I guess, not reading with an open mind or an open palm in terms of interpretation. Um, because for a lot of Christians, they're coming at the Bible, I think, with, um, and we talked about this before, but um, personal baggage or a lot of times denominational baggage. So, the reason we have all these denominations is because at one point or another, they, they, um, they disagreed with an already existing denominations reading and interpretate or interpretation of passage of scripture that led to theological differences. Right. And so people get so entrenched in their particular denomination that any interpretation or any theological idea that deviates from their denomination is looked down upon, you know, demeaned, sure. whatever. And so I yeah. think we really take, a lot of times, take that into our Bible reading with us, and that clouds our reading, because at that point, we are oftentimes entrenched in a very narrow reading of a particular text. Um, and in many cases, throughout the history of the text, uh, throughout the history of the faith, there have been multiple interpretation interpretations that aren't necessarily wrong, but they're different. And we sure. lose the beauty of the community, the community aspect of the faith yeah. um, in doing so. Um, mm. And so that's where like the secondary literature comes in, doing the work of reading outside of your own bubble. Um, mm. Because someone might understand the text differently or maybe even better <laughs> than you Agreed. do. Well, that's, yeah. And I think that's, I'm not sure if we talked too much about this, but I guess that's where having... Oh, yeah, I think we did mention this. Having different voices from different cultures uh, speak to you about Scripture can help illuminate things that you didn't see mm -hmm. because of your cultural setting. You're blind to them. So that's where, yeah, having those voices is helpful. Yeah. I guess, uh, yeah, my next one... I mean, we've talked about this, so I'm not going to... I'm not going to hammer it too hard but just importing modern sensibilities to the text uh we talked about dove eyes um and how <laughs> uh like you know the importance of dove eyes i've heard multiple times is that you know they don't have peripheral vision so they're always focused on the thing you know that's ahead of them uh and the ancient cultures would not have known that uh they would have had no idea that doves have those type of eyes uh, so these you know these modern sensitivities uh we talked pretty extensively last episode about, you know, scientific materialism slash mechanics, you know, obviously they don't have, you know, the ancient authors don't have those mechanics in mind. Uh, I mean, one, the way this could apply to is in prophecies, like, uh, the prophetic books. Um, a lot of times we like to, you know, import 
you know, they were talking about the helicopters in this event or, you know, the Twin Towers falling or something like that. And the thing is, like, prophecy is they're using, you know, prophecy or, like, apocalypse, apocalyptic literature, like Daniel, Book of Daniel, or the Book of Revelation. You know, they're using their culture's significant symbols to communicate, I guess you could say, like, God's, like, future justice or, like, future renewal. You know what I'm saying? So that mm-hmm. they're definitely communicating these things, but uh, the, the, the authors don't have, you know, they don't have helicopters in mind or... Or anything like that. Uh, so I think just yeah, importing kind of our modern, yeah, just our modern sensibilities back onto the text. Um, what what one would you thing say? That, oh, go ahead. Sorry, kind of no. like just that comment. What would you say then to someone who says, like, well, that's where the Holy Spirit was, you know, going kicking in and kind of yeah. using the author to write about these, you know, future events sort of thing. Yeah. How you respond? Well, I to guess. That? Yeah. So I guess it's that speaks to how I understand like the Holy Spirit's role and the human role. So for me, um, cause that is, I think that is actually a, like a fair question. I think it's a fair question to ask. Um, I guess first order of business is, um, so basically they're saying that the Holy Spirit basically had like little Easter eggs in mind for the future that the, that the author would not have known about. Mm -hmm. And to me, I guess it's like, so did God just do that for every, like, is there just, there's a million little Easter eggs in there. It's like, you didn't know that we were talking about helicopters author, but I'm the Holy spirit. And I knew we were talking about helicopters. (laughs) And so I guess like, I just don't like that. Like, I, I don't think that that makes very much sense. Um, mostly because there's no guardrails. You could say anything is anything. Mm. I, or at least I don't see any guardrails. Um, any guardrails that would you'd ha- be able to be kept accountable by other people. Yeah, uh, yeah. it's other, just an other... interpretive, interpretive yeah, anarchy just, at that point. I, yeah, I guess you could say that. So that's my my one issue is there's no guardrails, um, and then just yeah, my understanding of what scripture is, which is I, I mean it's kind of the way I understand Jesus. The metaphor is not perfect, but like you know it's fully human, fully divine. So like the fully human part of it is what the author is talking about, that's what we were trying to get to. You know what I'm saying? Which, mm-hmm. I mean, that's all human writing. And the problem is this question, I'm not going to go on on it for a long time because it opens the gateway into some like philosophy of texts, you know, right. philosophy of communication. So we're not going to go there. Uh, but I think it's a fair question. Hopefully what I've said is enough to at least, <laughs> you know, answer that question yeah. a little bit. And I, I, yeah. one last thing is, I think it removes the the importance of what we've talked about, actually, I think probably in all the episodes in this series, is the importance of, of um, context, like the original context in which, to which, for which, that text was originally written and interpreted. Um, if you're approaching the Bible with that in mind, or even with that idea that god was hiding easter eggs um as you said um yeah i think it really distracts from um from deep yeah. bible reading and interpretation right well that's where i would say like sometimes we focus on the easter eggs and then it's like well we actually miss what mm. you know what's actually what the author's actually talking about which i would say is the more helpful mm-hmm. you know the more beneficial thing um one other thing of that, which I don't think we've talked about, is I, 
there are, I guess this is related to the modern sensibilities thing, but I, yeah. Basically, I think sometimes we, we overexplore the emissions in the text, um, which I think is fine to a certain extent, um, mostly because, you know, like the, what is it? Uh, like the Book of Enoch and like some of these, some of these apocryphal mm. books are quite literally like, oh, there's, what happened with this character after he left the biblical right. story? And it's like, oh, that's, it's interesting and could help us. But, uh, but also I don't think we're them. I don't think we're steeped in the cultural, you know, mm. the, the cultural environment. So like, we can't really do that very well. <laughs> Whereas like the Book of Enoch is like, you know, pulling on the themes and doing all that stuff. Sure. Um, so there's two different types of gaps in, you know, scripture for us as, you know, reading in the modern times. One is narrative and one is cultural. Uh, so we try our best to fill the cultural gaps. It's like, you know, what, I don't know what's happening here. This is obviously a cultural gap that I don't get. Let's try to fill it in with, you know, as much background knowledge as I can. But then narrative gaps, those are there on purpose. And it's because the author's not trying to tell whatever story would have been in that gap. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So, you know, Enoch or anything, Melchizedek, um, so that's where I would say try your best to fill cultural gaps, but there's no need to try and fill narrative gaps. You know, what did, what, what was this person thinking? It's like, well, it's an interesting question. I'm not saying it's it's fun maybe to ask those questions, but it's not what the Bible's... If the Bible wanted you... If the Bible was trying to say something about what that character was thinking, it would have said it. Right. <laughs> so that's where it's just... I guess just try to focus on the narrative that's being told rather than speculating about a narrative that's not being told. thing is seeing how a particular text progresses the narrative the overall narrative of scripture mm. um, for the both of us we see scripture culminating in um, in Jesus Christ um, and mm. fulfilling what mankind was supposed to be as it as the image bearers of God um, and then Reinviting us back into that role, the possibility of actually living in that, um, in that identity, mm. um, and so if we lose sight of that, for you know what a particular text means, um, sure. I, I mean I think that, I think that's good in some instances, but I think what we always need to do is recontextualize it into the grander narrative of the of of scripture, right? Because just historically speaking, practically speaking. There's not a lot of fluff in the text. I was watching a, a movie the other day, um, and there was like a good five-minute scene where I'm not going to name the movie because I don't want to, you know, yeah, maybe get any you like hate the mail. Movie. Who knows? Yeah, who knows? <laughs> but it was like a good like five-minute scene where the graphics were amazing, sound design was great, things were in slow motion. But if they had left that scene out, 
it would not have changed anything in the movie. It did nothing to progress the narrative. Sure. It was useless. You don't have that <laughs> in the Bible. Yeah. So once you get the, you know, what a particular text means, then in, you know, that, you know, particular context in that book or that section, it's always helpful, I think, to take a step back and see the forest that that tree is a part of and seeing, okay, sure. this is how the narrative is progressing. It, it's not necessary. I think, it, I think it's different than saying this is, here's where we can see Jesus in this text. Like, no, mm-hmm. it's not. I think that's a mistake to try to read Jesus into every text. But I think Absolutely. you can see different building blocks that lead up to yeah. Jesus, you know? Um, yeah, and I think like, it's helpful yeah, totally. to do that just because, yeah, I mean, we, we, we try, we think of the Bible as this one book, but there are multiple books. It's a comp, yes. it's a compilation of texts. Yeah. Yeah. And it's important to recognize where you are in that history or mm-hmm. in that story, not where we are living now, but where you are reading through. Mm-hmm. I would just say, be cautious of interpretations that are awesome. <laughs> <laughs> what I mean by that is, like, a lot of times I have people come to me and they're like, this interpretation is awesome. <laughs> and it's like, that does sound awesome. Like, for instance, the like, one I always an, oh, yeah, I was going to ask her example. Is just, like, Melchizedek is Jesus. And, like, Jesus is Melchizedek in the Old Testament. Like, that's, like, the one that I hear a lot. Um, and they get that from a couple different places. Um, Hebrews, probably most notably, where it says Jesus is a... A king like Melchizedek? A priest like Melchizedek? Priest like Melchizedek. I don't know what it says, yeah. but he just says he's like him. Uh, priest in the order of Melchizedek. A, there you go. That's what it is. Yep. Um, which I would say that is one interpretation, but also, I so I would just say I like I don't buy that by what's happening in the narrative. Uh, and I just well, that doesn't make you a Christian. This is, then. <laughs> yeah, yep, I'm a heathen, and. Uh, I'm not saying, and I'm not here to just rain on your parade of your cool interpretation that you like. That's not what I'm here to do. What I'm here to say is when we, when like we hear something, it's like, ooh, that like really fits into what I think about the world. It's like, okay, well, let's just take a couple steps back, you know, and like think and like actually look, is this actually like what it's saying or is this just what I want it to say? That's really what I'm trying to say is. Be careful when you're pumped about something the Bible says. Uh, and not to say that you're always wrong or anything like that, but just be just be extra cautious when it fits right into what you think uh, because then I think you're most blind to what you might be missing is all I would say. Yeah. I, I, don't, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. Hopefully I'm not wrong, but I don't think you're saying that you shouldn't be excited about, you know, yes, certain interpretations. But maybe I think what you're saying is um, be critical of your interpretations or interpretations, not in a, again, we explained this before, but not in a bad way, like where you're critiquing scripture, but understand why you're thinking about this, why you're so excited about it. Does it line up with the rest of scripture? Those kinds of questions. Um, Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. That's exactly what, yeah, I would say definitely be, I'm excited all the time. That's the thing. Uh, but then I'm also, you know, you also got to look at yourself, you yeah. know what I'm saying, and say, is this just something that's convenient for me to yeah. believe about this? It's also, okay. it's also okay, and maybe I'm going to change my last point. Maybe this will be my last point <laughs> on this question. It's okay to say, I don't know. 
or I don't know how to interpret this. Absolutely. I, I, I say it all the time. It's that, that Melchizedek example kind of was one of those things. There are so many uh, um, ideas about, especially with Old Testament theophanies or what are called mm. pre-incarnate um, yes. depictions or um, instances of, of Christ. Um, and it's cool to kind of interpret and read the Bibles from read the Bible from different vantage points. It's, okay, I think maybe this is an example of a pre-incarnate Christ sort of thing. But at the same time, we cannot hold on to those with a firm grasp and hold those things or interpretations sure. as gospel. Because yeah. there are a lot of gray areas in the Bible. And sure. we, we are on this side of the, of the scriptural yeah. writers, right? And so, yeah. and so it's, it's, um, yeah, it's okay to say, I don't know. I think okay. saying I don't know will do a lot more than saying, will do a lot more for the interpreter, for the reader, than if they had t- if they take one particular position about an otherwise gray area of its scriptural interpretation. Sure. Totally. Yeah, so I guess this is kind of the wrap-up for the, really, the entire series, this episode, but, yeah. you know, kind of the whole thing. Um, so, yeah, maybe just a few, I mean, we'll just recap this episode, but if you want to throw in some other things, it's fine. Yeah, I don't know, do you have any, any yeah. closing thoughts? Um, I guess three points of, you know, in terms of the closing to kind of probably wrap up and bring all the previous episodes um, together. Yeah, just to to sum up, um, it's important to to ask first, what did it mean to them before asking, what does it mean for me? Did I say that clearly? I don't know. Yeah, you did. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, yeah, we got to ask what. Maybe did it say mean it to one them? more time yeah. for the listeners. Yeah, 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 oh, yeah, yeah. So you were going for to. the people in the back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, we have to ask first, what did it mean to them? before asking, what does it mean for me? Mm. Um, we, I mean, I'm not going to go into it because we've got whole episodes <laughs> of our conversation yes. uh, kind of about that. Um, and then two is something I think that needs to be continually said, and it's something that you had mentioned, is the importance of reading um, in community and not in isolation. Um, mm. Because that's the way the Bible was designed to be read. Truly. Um, and no, then probably the third one, and we've kind of touched on this. We, I mean, we probably could have even dived in a little bit more deeply in it, but, um, we have to th- kind of reshape the way we look at the Bible, um, in a lot of ways, um, and change it from using it as a weapon or reading it as a weapon mm. and instead reading it as a mirror and a lens. Um, mm. yeah. So those are three things, yeah. maybe some three... Yeah, three summary statements. Hopefully that kind oh, of encompass what a lot what, what we've talked about. Very well said. Yeah, the only thing I'll add is really just I hope that this series for you the listener um I hope it like got you excited about the Bible cuz I guess that's mm-hmm. what it did for me. Um I think the Bible had grown stale. Um I just there wasn't any. I didn't think that there was anything I needed in there. You know, I 
got the ticket to heaven, you know, just living my life, not murdering anyone. What else does it even have to say? Uh, But hopefully, like, this look into maybe another culture and some of these things to consider as you're reading the Bible, I hope to me, like, it sparks, like, an an excitement around the Bible. Because that's these days, that's, like, what I have uh, is an excitement. Um, because, because like the, I guess the wisdom I'm gleaning and like the, the stuff that I'm getting from consuming the Bible, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What, what I feel like I gain by reading the Bible and learning about the Bible. It's just like, it's worth, like it's worth the effort and it's worth the time. And it's just, it's like a lot of fun and I'm excited about it. Uh, so I guess hopefully, hopefully this series, in addition to, you know, offering you helpful tips and tools hopefully like you're excited to like plunge into the bible which is like a strange book uh and like a really i guess interesting book to me uh just like for what it has so hopefully yeah hopefully you're excited i think that's a great place to end same here yeah and if you'd like to support us financially you can do so at patreon Uh, it's just www.patreon.com slash questions from the pew Uh, And if you can't support us financially, please give us a good rating or review on iTunes or whatever platform you're listening on, and that will help others find our podcast. Also, please comment and ask questions. Leave us a short voice message or text message at 312-725-2995. This has been Questions from the Pew, a podcast in the World Outspoken Network. To learn more about World Outspoken and its mission to prepare the Mestizo Church for Cultural Change, visit www.worldoutspoken.com. For questions from the Pew, I'm Reichard Zalameta. I'm Lucas Manning. We'll see you next time. (laughs) 